Good morning, everyone. So as, <laughs> so as Pete just said, the reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And if you'd like to read that in the physical copy and you have the Bible that just has the plain Holy Bible on the front, that's on page 842. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Jesus Christ. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which you first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given, in, given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has, now, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And, and of this gospel, I was appointed by a herald and an apostle of a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him from that day. What you heard from me, keep me... Keep us the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onethesaurus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. Um, Friends, let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for your word. And as we... Uh, consider this uh, passage from uh, 2 Timothy uh, now. We ask that by your spirit that you would be opening up our minds and uh, softening our hearts and helping us to be uh, more responsive to what you would have us uh, learn today, uh, that we would be people who uh, live boldly uh, with Jesus as our Lord, proclaiming him. And we ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Now, I wonder, are there times when you feel that you don't want to be associated with a particular Christian leader? Never in this church, you say. (laughs) Well, I do, 
there's times when I feel I just don't want to be associated with a, a Christian leader um, and sometimes even embarrassed, uh, even ashamed uh, by certain Christian leaders. Um, just last week, uh, for example, there was a church leader uh, in the news who was publicly talking down what the Bible says. Uh, in fact, he was, he was saying that sin is, is not sin and, of course, uh, he was praised for being just so in tune, so in step uh, with our culture. Whereas I felt like shouting out and saying, he does not represent me. I don't want to be associated with him uh, on that basis. Sometimes we can be ashamed of church leaders because of scandals. Uh, when uh, so-called leaders uh, exploit people in ways that, uh, that, in ways that even the world uh, deplores. Um, the greedy televangelists uh, manipulating people to finance their lifestyle of uh, sprawling mansions and luxury cars and private jets. It's right to be ashamed of such leaders, isn't it? Uh, but what about being ashamed of, of Christian leaders because of the gospel itself. Now, today, as Peter mentioned, we commence a new sermon series on uh, the little book of 2 Timothy, and uh, which I've checked, and I don't think we've ever actually um, preached through 2 Timothy before, at least in the 22 years that I've been here as the minister. Yes, it's that long. Um, we've had one-off sermons, particularly on 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, looking at um, uh, the authority of scripture and so on. But uh, in the last 22 years at least, we've not actually worked through the whole of the book of 2 Timothy. So it's about time we did so, don't you reckon? About time we did. And as we do so, we learned that in the early church, uh, there were people who were ashamed of a particular Christian leader, and that leader was the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote this letter. And when he wrote this letter, he was in prison in the city of Rome. Now, let me just talk for a moment about that, because uh, this was not the comfortable house arrest that Paul was under when he was in Rome uh, at the end of the book of Acts, uh, when he expected that he would actually be released from his house arrest. Uh, rather, it seems that uh, Paul had been released on that particular occasion and that he had been freed and was able to uh, continue his ministry. But at some point uh, later, he was arrested again and he found himself uh, back in prison in Rome, but it was during the time of the persecutions of Emperor Nero. And this time it was no comfy house arrest, uh, rather, Paul was in chains. Uh, he was enchained in a uh, dark, uh, in a poorly ventilated cell. And uh, he pretty much fully expected that he was not going to live, that he would be uh, executed. And so in one sense, 2 Timothy is the last will and testament of the Apostle Paul. And it's written to a young man who he was very close to. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, I just want to uh, point you to verses 1 and 2 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
where Paul commences the letter by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is the normal way, in one sense, in, uh, by which ancient people would uh, commence their letters. Uh, they would start by uh, announcing who they are and then uh, stating who the person is that they're writing to. And then they would add a blessing of sorts. But here Paul also mentions uh, the promise of life. Did you notice that? The promise of life. And it's a topic which would have been very much on Paul's mind as he expects execution. And we also see the love that he has towards Timothy because how does he describe Timothy? He describes him as being my dear son. Now, he wasn't his son. Spiritually, he was his son. And relationally, that's the depth of warmth of that relationship between these two men. It's affectionate, isn't it? And I think that in our Western culture, our modern Western culture, um, guys are a little bit squirmish about it, you know, expressing affection towards one another. Uh, am I right there? I, I think so. I mean, but this is, this is the Mediterranean culture. And uh, Mediterranean people today, they're not squirmish about expressing affection, uh, and they weren't in the first century either. And there's feelings in this. There's feelings which, which ooze uh, from verses 3 to 5, where Paul shares how he prays for Timothy and that he prays for Timothy, he says, I pray for you night and day. And where in verse 4, it gets emotional. Have a look at verse 4. Paul says, recalling your tears or remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. That's emotional, isn't it? I think it's always, uh, it's always difficult when you're saying goodbye to someone when, who you really love and uh, you're not, you don't know if, uh, when or even if you're ever going to see them again. You ever had that kind of moment? I must admit when our two teenagers at different times left home to go and live in the cities 400 kilometres away and 700 kilometres away, I was pretty um, composed on the outside. <laughs> but on the inside, no, this, this is emotional. Um, sometimes it's emotional when, you, when you're saying goodbye to someone you love. And, and it appears that uh, that was the case uh, when these two men last said goodbye because Timothy was in tears. And now Paul is craving to see Timothy, uh, knowing that it would be perhaps for the last time, and uh, I would expect that he would be um, really wanting that and desiring to, uh, to share in that. Have a, it would be a very joyful uh, thing for him to be able to see Timothy again. And so um, what we see here is that Paul has been remembering Timothy. Uh, the, the word for remember in the Greek appears three times in these, just in these few verses. Uh, in verse 3, um, Paul remembers Timothy in his prayers. 
in verse 4, he remembers Timothy's tears. And in verse 5, he has been reminded, he has remembered about Timothy's sincere faith, which is faith in Jesus. Now, let's talk about Timothy's faith for a few moments. Um, This, it seems, uh, is faith uh, in the gospel, which has been passed down in his family uh, from his grandmother, Lois, who first came to uh, believe, and uh, then his mother, Eunice, uh, uh, she believed as well. It, it sounds like maybe Timothy's father, who we know was a, from elsewhere, was, was a Greek, not a Jew. Uh, it seems that he perhaps may not be a Christian because he's not mentioned. But what we do see here is that there were two uh, godly women who were in Timothy's life, um, raising him, shaping his beliefs, helping him to get to know God through the gospel. And I think it's very uh, hard to, to understate uh, just how important it is for parents and even for grandparents to be helping, to know, helping children to get to know God and to be putting their trust in the Lord Jesus. And yet, having a godly family, having a godly grandma and a godly mother, uh, that is great, but it's, it's not enough, is it? Uh, because Timothy had to trust in Jesus for himself. And that he has done. Um, Paul is persuaded in verse uh, 6 that the faith that uh, Lois had, the faith that Eunice had, the faith that dwelt in them, now also dwells in Timothy. That is, the gospel is not just head knowledge for Timothy. It actually dwells within him by God's spirit. It's, 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 it's who he is as a person, uh, which is why Paul has encouraged Timothy in gospel ministry. And now it's time for Timothy to do some remembering. Let me read to you from verse 6. Following on from what he's just said about Timothy's faith, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So here, Timothy is to remember uh, to fan into flame the gift of God. Now, we might want to ask the question, well, what is this gift of God? Uh, and why does it need to be fanned into flame? I don't think it's because it's, it's dying in him and it needs to be restarted. It needs, it needs to, to grow in him. And we know from uh, the Paul's first letter to Timothy that the gift of God uh, that he speaks about there in regards to Timothy is the gift of preaching and teaching. That that's what he has to fan into flame. And it's a gift which the uh, church leaders would have um, prayed for Timothy when they laid hands on him. Now, what does it mean to lay hands on someone? Well, you can lay hands on someone in anger, can't you? But that's what it means here. Um, Recently, we ordained uh, 
Peter. Where, where's Peter? There he is, uh, Reverend Peter. And we ordained Peter as, a, uh, as minister of the church. And many of you were here or watched online. And uh, church leaders uh, gathered around Peter. And uh, we would have laid hands on him except uh, for COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, but we symbolically laid hands on him. Uh, laying hands on someone is an expression of um, fellowship uh, as, as we pray for a person, as we commission a person uh, for ministry, for a particular kind of ministry. And it seems that uh, that is what happened with Timothy, that Paul and others uh, would have laid hands on him as they prayed for him praying for Timothy that he uh, would be godly, praying for Timothy that he would be hard-working, that he would be faithful, that he would be bold in proclaiming the gospel. And that's important because proclaiming the gospel can be tough. Why do I say that? Well, because uh, the gospel always arouses opposition. And when that happens, uh, we, uh, all of us as Christians, uh, we cannot be people who turn to jelly and who compromise in order to save our own skin. We can't be those people. And so we, we can't be timid in that sense. And there's no need to be either. Because remember... We're not alone, are we? We're not alone. God uh, has given us his spirit. We saw a lot of this when we looked at John 17 last year, that God has given us his spirit, who is the, our counsellor, our advocate. Uh, he is the one uh, who strengthens us so that we can be bold to faithfully um, share the gospel uh, even when we're on trial. And, and here we see that um, uh, we don't have a spirit of timidity, or Timothy doesn't, and we ought not to either. Rather, that God has given us uh, his spirit who strengthens us so that we have these th three things, so that we have power, so that we have love, and so we have self-discipline. And that, I take it, is the power to stand firm. The love to, be, to lay down our lives for others. For that is how Jesus has demonstrated love. And the self-discipline so that we, that we don't, that, that we don't uh, act out of fear uh, or out of favour but that we always act in accordance with the gospel. And so power, love and self-discipline are what God has given through his spirit. And all of this is building up to um, Paul's key message for Timothy, uh, which I think is the key verse in the whole chapter, and that is verse 8. Uh, let me read it. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
Now, uh, you see there where he says to join with me in suffering uh, for the gospel, or just the phrase, join with me in suffering, you see that? Um, That is one word in the Greek. Greek has very long words, right? And uh, the the word for this is is sun kakopatheo. And guess what? The Greek word sun kakopatheo, Paul made it up. Uh, As far as we can tell, um, he coined the term. It didn't appear in Greek until this moment. (laughs) In this moment. And and it makes perfectly sense. uh, Because uh, who else would want to have to use that word? Uh, Who else would want to invite you to come and join with, come and join me in suffering? (laughs) It's not, uh, you, you know. You see, there were Christians who were ashamed of Paul. And there's churches around uh, even today where they preach that if you become a Christian, that you will be successful and you will be wealthy. I was looking at a church website just during the week and looked at their doctrinal statement. They said that we believe that you will be successful, you will be wealthy so long as you follow God's plan. And I happen to know the leader of that church is suffering terribly. <laughs> is it incongruous? But this is what they preach. What is Paul, and, and what does that say about the Apostle Paul? Because here he is, he's arrested, he's imprisoned, he's awaiting trial and he doesn't expect to not be executed in the, in the Nero persecutions. And people were ashamed of him. Because they're thinking, well, that's, that's not what I signed up for. You know, I, I don't want to join someone who's, that's, what, that's you know, where they're at in life. Uh, in verse 15, he says that the whole province of Asia had deserted him. Now, um, by the way, that's not the continent of Asia. Uh, it's a, um, it's, it's just it's a Roman province uh, which is in the western part of modern-day Turkey. But it's significant because it did include churches such as Colossae, Laodicea and Ephesus. And so Paul felt that he'd been deserted by those from the province of Asia. Uh, although in verse 14 he does mention one man uh, who did not desert him. Uh, his name was Onesiphorus. And Onesiphorus uh, was a man who uh, seems that he uh, probably came from Ephesus, uh, who when he was visiting Rome, he searched the city uh, to find the prison where Paul was kept in order to meet with Paul and to encourage him. By the way, if you do go to Rome, there is a prison cell, which is I think about 2,600 years old, uh, where it's... um, Quite possible that that's actually the cell where um, Paul was imprisoned and Peter as well. Anyone been there? Yep, you can still talk to us about it later. Uh, it's not, you know, can't prove it, but uh, that's where they put prisoners like Paul uh, at that time. And if it's not the exact prison, it would have been a prison pretty much like it. And so, uh, because of on Esiphorus, uh, this guy who actually did seek out um, Paul uh, in the city of Rome. Uh, Paul made on have meant that every single Christian in the whole of 
the province of Asia had turned their back on him. But it wasn't exactly overwhelming support, was it? One man. One man. And yet Paul's message to Timothy is, don't be ashamed of me. Rather, come and join with me in suffering. Now, why would Timothy want to do that? I'm going to read a section to you now. It's from verse 8 to verse 12. It's a little bit long, so you might want to follow in your Bibles. Verse 8. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Now, notice that Paul does not say, I know what I have believed. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, I know the propositions that I've believed, the set of facts or the doctrinal statement that I've believed. And he, no, he says, I know whom I have believed. And think about that. As Paul faces his own death, He's trusting not in a what, but in a whom. He's trusting in a person, in Jesus, who died for our sin. And in verse 10, by his resurrection has destroyed death, raised victorious from the grave. And I have to say that this actually makes the message of the gospel... Absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. Um, People are ashamed of Paul because the gospel had landed him in prison. But does Paul consider himself to be a prisoner of Rome? No, he doesn't. In verse 8, he describes himself as being a prisoner of the Lord. And I reckon that he would say that whether he was in prison or not because elsewhere he talks about himself and describes himself as being a servant or a slave and here a prisoner of the Lord. Because, friends, there is simply nothing more important in this world than the gospel. Um, Not our possessions, not our uh, career, not our wealth, not even our freedom. Not even our liberty is more important than the gospel because the gospel is light. The gospel is the light which shows us the way so that we can enjoy, as Paul says here, true life now, life lived in a relationship with our creator who loves us and beyond the grave, immortality. I mean, beyond the grave there's hell or there's heaven in Christ Jesus 
Immortality means life lived with God in his perfect heaven forever and ever. And Paul here realises that the grave may be very close for him. But he also knows that um, he is not indispensable and he knows that his work that he's done has not been a waste, that it's not going to go down down the drain uh, once he's gone because in verse 12 he can entrust to God all those people who have believed in, in Jesus through him, through his ministry. He entrusts them to God knowing that God will guard them by his spirit and keep them safe until that day, the day that Jesus returns. Now, it makes me think that it's really good, therefore, that um, gospel ministry is ultimately God's work, um, isn't it? Because it, it means that we can trust God to take care of things. And otherwise, if it wasn't God's work, if God wasn't involved in this, if it wasn't God's ministry in God's church, then we would never want to let go, would we? <laughs> We'd never let go. But it's also our work. Which is why Timothy needs a spirit of power, love and self-discipline. Verse 13. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, the, um, the pattern of sound teaching is the, um, is the message uh, which Paul taught Timothy. And I like the idea of a pattern of sound teaching. It's like the, um, the architect's plans for a building uh, which you can you know, um, use as the basis for constructing the, uh, the building. Uh, it's a pattern of sound teaching that he's talking about here. And... Uh, It's the message which Paul had taught Timothy. But it needs to be accompanied, as you see here, with faith and love. But it's not to be tampered with, which people do. Why do people tamper with the message of the gospel? Well, it's because they're ashamed of the gospel. That's why. They're ashamed to uh, speak about sin and judgment. They're ashamed to say that salvation can be found only in Christ Jesus. And not through Allah, not through Buddha, not through... It's only in Christ... And not through our good works, but only in Christ Jesus. And so they're ashamed of the gospel and therefore they preach a message which does not offend and which does not save, not anybody. We can't be like that. I want you to imagine that someone gave you a treasured possession, something which was really, really valuable and they've asked you, to mind it for them, to take care of it for them. 
Now, I've been trying to think, has it ever happened to me? And I have to say, no, actually it hasn't. <laughs> I, don't I don't have friends that are rich enough to give me a really valuable thing to look after and they may not trust me to do so properly. But imagine if that happened. Theoretically, what would your attitude towards it be? Would you be careless with it? Uh, would, you, um, would you want to change it? You know, if it was a great work of art, would you get your paintbrush and start improving it? No, you wouldn't. Uh, you would make every effort to guard it, to protect it, which is how we should be with the gospel. And we can be. Because by his spirit, God strengthens us. People were ashamed of the Apostle Paul, not because he was a false teacher or that he exploited vulnerable people, but because instead of being the successful, inspiring celebrity pastor that they uh, craved, that Paul was actually inside a barren prison cell. And why was he there? Because Paul was never ashamed. He was never ashamed to suffer so that others might be saved. And Paul says in Romans that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this treasured possession that you've uh, passed on to us, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it is powerful to save. We thank you that it sheds uh, the, 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 the light of life into our world uh, and, Father, that it is the, uh, uh, the light uh, for, which leads us to immortality uh, as we put our trust in Jesus. Father, we pray that uh, we would be men and women who would be um, not timid about the gospel, but we would be bold, uh, we would be clear, we would be faithful and we'd be prepared to suffer. Uh, for the sake of the salvation of others and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.